Welcome back to All Packed Up. We've got a very special guest for y'all today. He runs the Adult Learn to Hunt program over at Texas Wildlife Association. Really awesome dude. Um, really stands for everything conservation. Just like us over here at Pack Mule. We also have a really cool video being released tomorrow on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and check that out when you can. And with that being said, Matt Hughes, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Matt, welcome, uh, welcome to the pod. Good to be here. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, Matt Hughes, tell us, tell us a little bit about what y'all's program is. Yeah, um, I work for work Texas Wildlife Association. Uh, the Adult Learn to Hunt program is the program I oversee there. Basically kind of started with TWA uh, a few years ago. They were doing Texas Wildlife Association. I wasn't with them at the time, but they were doing um, you know wild game dinners in major cities, Austin, San Antonio. And at that time, they were asking people, would you be interested in learning about hunting? Uh, kind of kicked off this interest in running some adult learn hunt programs. Um, as you guys may know, it, T- Texas Wildlife Association has the Texas Youth Hunting Program, which is, you know, they run hundreds of hunts every year, thousands of kids go through that program. And so they decided to branch out to the adults. Over the past couple of years, you know, Texas Wildlife Association, um, you know, staff there would run two or three hunts each. Um, but they didn't really have a dedicated position. They partnered with other nonprofits. Uh, to help run some of those hunts. That's how I got involved initially. I was with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, the Stewards of the Wild program, ran some hunts in partnership with TWA. Uh, but it wasn't until you know August of this year that they found the funding for a dedicated position. Um, and so this is the first official year where they have a dedicated staff to, to run as many hunts and get as many people through the program That's as possible. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and I think when we first met, I had to clarify, not kids. Not teaching kids. kids how to hunt. Yeah, uh, not kids. A um, little bit of a difference. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, the, the youth hunting program focuses on youth, and that is great, and there's clearly a need uh, for youth. I Certainly. F- have felt that, you know, working with adults resonates a lot more with me. Uh, I enjoy getting them out. And what I've found is that, you know, we can, you know, if we can tap into the right adults, they have families, so we can get you know spouses involved we can get kids involved and we i can't tell you how many people that have been on the youth hunting program um, and their parents have come to us wanting to learn how to hunt Hmm. and vice versa so parents have come out and now they're sending their kids Kids. on the youth hunting program so it it works all together you know and we we kind of tap touch on you know as many people as we can but um you know working with adults has really resonated with me and uh you know giving them the tools to get back out there in the field cool what what's your background did you grow up kind of uh, hunting always or learn it later in life is that no i mean i i i have we have a ranch my family has a ranch in south texas uh so i grew up down there um i grew up in san antonio but grew up going to the ranch every weekend pretty much and fixing fences running cattle you know and uh shooting cactus and all that kind of stuff (laughs) you do when you're a kid Uh, but uh you know started hunting probably when i was about 12 shot just a very i mean a few animals uh before uh, I moved to College Station. That prevented me to go in home, you know, as much as I could. Giga but Mags or? Yeah, Giga okay, Mags. Yeah, Giga Mags. Graduate 08. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I left the state for about 10 years. Okay. Uh, went, moved to Hawaii for a little bit. Moved to Washington State for a little bit. Uh, ended up in Clemson in South Carolina for about four years. Cool. Met my wife there. We moved to Florida for another 
four or five years. It wasn't until we decided to start a family uh, that we didn't want to raise a family in Miami. Uh, and I, you know, very fortunately enough, found an amazing job uh, back in Texas when we came back here. And that's kind of when I got more plugged into this aspect of uh, the outdoor industry. But I, you know, I've always um, loved the outdoors and felt that it's a critical component of the human experience. And so I've always strived to help certain groups that I was working with at the time uh, better experience the outdoors and, and get out there. Um, you know, it was at, in Miami, I was helping at-risk youth, uh, you know, experience oh, really? parks. Yep. Cool. Uh, worked in the national parks, uh, worked with ATV riders and surfers and all kinds of people all over the country. Um, but, you know, when I came back to Texas, this is kind of what, what I fell into and have been really enjoying it ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, so background and, and obviously, yeah. um, uh, hunting for the first time. I want to talk about that. Um, run us through like a weekend through your program, right? How do people get signed up? How yeah. do you choose these people? Um, and, and go from there. Yeah. I mean, so we, you know, our application for this program goes live middle of summer, uh, around July, hopefully this year will be about July 1st is my goal. Um, you know, people apply to the program. You know, we had 300 applicants this year. Uh, you know, the application's pretty thorough. We ask a lot of information um, from them, you know, why they think they should participate. You know, what about their background um, you know, has driven them to want to, to hunt for the first time. And so, you know, at this point, it's really a selection criteria that, I, that I'm making. Uh, as we move forward, we'll probably have to have a, a panel and some more in-depth thing. But it's not a drawn system. It's not a lottery. Huh. We're selecting people based off of, you know, essentially their need and their yeah. exposure and their experience um and then you know once we make that initial soft contact we you know we reach out to them and say you know you need to hear here are the hunt dates what works for you you know we try not to publicize what those hunts are i don't want people p uh, cherry picking you know a buck hunt or an exotic hunt or something like that we you know we want people there for the right reasons gotcha. um, so we do that uh once they made a selection once they've chosen we kind of hit them up with here are all the things you need to do paperwork license hunters education uh you know and then i reach out to them multiple times via email phone calls making sure everyone feels good ready to go cool um, during that time period i'm picking mentors and working with the landowners uh, but you know typically a typical hunt people arrive uh friday friday around noon cool we get them out to the property get them checked in get them their accommodations uh, they will go to the range, they'll shoot, make sure that them, they feel comfortable and that their mentor or their guide feels comfortable with how they're shooting. Uh, Friday typically is mostly educational, so we'll do like a skills trail, teach them how to track blood, go over, you know, managing for white-tailed deer, you know, nice. pigs or whatever the case, whatever the species is that we're kind of going after. Um, you know, and then, you know, we have dinner. All of our meals are wild game. Uh, then Saturday morning they go out for their first hunt. Once they get back, we do butchering demonstrations. They get their hands on, you know, gutting, skinning, cleaning animals. After they've after they killed something, we want to teach them what to do with it after they've they've okay. done that. Uh, and then Saturday, we hit them again with some more education, give them a little bit of time to take a nap, <laughs> you know, rest, yeah, yeah, and they go back out uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning. So they usually on all of our hunts, usually it's about three hunts or three sits or three times they go out uh, in the field. Are y'all sitting in blinds? Typically, we sit in blinds. There's a lot of, you know, when we're dealing with private landowners, um, you know, we typically sit in blinds uh, and overfeeders. You know, we, we get a little flack from some people in the industry 
about uh you know hunting over <laughs> over feeders and yeah. in blinds but for texas. me yeah yeah it's <laughs> yeah. texas i mean you know if anyone's hunted south texas or the hill country like it's it's the brush is thick yeah uh, it's the best way to get get animals out there it's the easiest most ethical way you know to get animals clear sight it, it provides an opportunity for them to, to kill something quickly yeah. ethically safely which is important to us um, you know, and part of the whole, you know, narrative here too, is, is that we're, I'm trying to eliminate as many negative variables for people to focus on the things that they feel are a challenge coming in the program, right? People feel like killing something's a challenge and then what do you do with it once it's dead? So we try and yeah. emphasize, uh, the educational uh, education around that. We're not trying yeah. to get them out there, like roughing it and having this tough time. We, I mean, we, we have yeah. showers, we have restrooms, we have warm places for them to hang out. We have nice warm meals. We want them to focus on understanding good, safe, ethical shots, yeah. you know, and then what to do with the meat once you've killed something. And so that's really where we put our emphasis on, you know, that being said, we do have hunts where, um, we focus on spot and stalking skills. Okay. Uh, we do have other, you know, game that's out there too. We, you know, pigs and, we have an odd ad hunt and a nil guy hunt. So there's other skills that we, we focus on for more advanced hunters that have been part of the program. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, we try to, we try to eliminate as many negative challenging variables for first time hunters as possible to create a fun enriching experience. Yeah. That's how you got to do it. I mean, they're not kids, but in a way you're, they're doing, they're just doing something for the first time. So they're just ignorant, like, like kids are to some things. Right. So you kind of have to, hold their hand through some things and yeah and uh, you know you think about a 30 something year old who's had their whole life to think about this right a kid yeah, yeah, yeah. you know a kid you know their parents may have been big hunters and you know the, the parents have had them around hunting their entire 12 13 years yeah. you know and that's kind of maybe all that they know but you have an adult who's never been around hunting um and has had to wrestle with the idea of killing something has had to wrestle with the idea of guns and all that kind of stuff and so um, there's a lot more, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you think about anything when you're an adult, like how much do you think about, you know, you get up in your head about stuff, right? Totally. And you know, where kids may not be as, they just don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They may not be as concerned about that. Like, you know, adults, I can't tell you how many times, um, again, I'm not, yeah, I can't really, I don't, haven't done that many youth hunts as I have adult hunts, but with the adult hunts, I can't tell you how many times, uh, adults have come back and expressed, um, they're concerned about, did I take a good shot? Mm. You know, did I do a good job? Like, not a good job, like, be proud of me, but did I kill the animal as fast as possible? I don't right, want it right. to suffer. Like, did I do a good thing? Like, did I take the right time? Did I take a good, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, 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 we hear it every hunt from multiple different hunters. And so, yeah. um, you know, they can really deal with some emotion and some thought process. That yeah, goes into and it. that's like, natural. Yeah. Man. Like, I, I deal with that still, yeah. you know, dolly, did I? Yeah. You know, could I, should I have thrown it a shot at that, <laughs> that far away kind of thing, you know, exactly. um, you mentioned just thinking about thinking, being, having to think about this for a long time, misconceptions that arise, um, you know, as far as, man, do I need to go buy this $400, you know, shirt to, to be able to get into it? Um, do you deal with stuff like that when, when, oh Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, people will ask me going and in, leading into a hunt, like, what are the things they need to buy? We give them a checklist yeah. um, of things that we encourage them to bring if they have it or if they needed an excuse to buy it. That gives them a good excuse to buy it. 
um, you know, binoculars and sure. knives and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we under, I understand that can all be a barrier to entry, right? That's a lot of money, right? Especially sure. if you're talking about all this kind of stuff. And so usually on the phone, when I talk to them, I'm like, hey, you don't need to go buy yourself thousand dollar binoculars like don't worry about we have binoculars come learn about different types of binoculars that we have scopes guns camo come learn about all that kind of stuff um you know and see if that's something that resonates with you you know i mean i'm i'm again i'm in texas i mean i gotta give a shout out to my guys at duck camp like they've really supported our program supported me uh i love them they're a great middle of the road both you know you know with the with the cost you know i i think that you know big time game hunters that buy your really expensive, high-end, three hundred dollars shirt stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think they're probably trying to focus on like this might be my one life, once in a lifetime opportunity. So they want to eliminate right. as many variables as they can. So they're going to go buy the most expensive thing. But I mean, hunting in, in Texas, hunting in general. I mean, we did it for a long time. Yeah. Without expensive with, camo. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You know, I mean, and you know, if you're going to go hunt in Texas, you know, sometimes you probably get away with a t-shirt and shorts, you know, and a pair of snake boots. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you that's know, I, I grew up, man, sitting <laughs> yeah. in a blind, wearing a white t-shirt. Exactly. You know? you know, and I, so I don't think you need to get all wound up on, um, I'm a gear junkie. I mean, I love yeah, gear. Yeah. I love quality stuff, you know? So, I mean, I love things like pack mule and people that make great products. Yeah. Um, even though it may cost a bit more than your generic stuff. You know, sure. with that being said, if this is if you're going to get into this and you just want to kind of dabble, you know, you don't need to go out and blow a whole lot of money, yeah. um, you know, on things like camo and really expensive guns and scopes and optics and knives. I mean, yeah, I, you know, as far as like butchering goes, I mean, I have one of those little replacement knife blade things, you know, the Havilon, yeah. and it, you yeah. know, it's gotten me through five years about 30 bucks i mean i don't know how many blades i've spent on it but i mean (laughs) when we're cleaning animals you know every weekend you know that that's all i need yeah you know i don't need this whole kit and you know but you know it's like everything right it's like you can you can get as specialized as you want or as little as you want very true yeah it's kind of our whole mo though is like all right how can we just get guys to just eliminate those those barriers in their head and just go Uh, so, so hard skills that you're teaching cleaning, are y'all dabbling with cooking? Yeah. I mean, so all of our, you know, all of our meals are wild game. Um, you know, the initial idea here was like, we would cook what we killed on the hunt, but when you got to feed 15 people, that's a big gamble (laughs) to take. Um, you know, so we, you know, I usually bring in wild game that we've harvested from other, you know, from other hunts or that have been donated to the program. But, you know, I'm feeding them Axis, Whitetail, Oryx, Audad, you yeah. know, whatever we can get, kind of get our hands on. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, if we have the opportunity, we will cook, you know, we will we will go field the table on some things. I mean, hmm. you know, people want to try heart, so we'll cut up heart and cook heart. You know, cool. if you want to try liver, we'll cook the liver, you know, back straps, things like that that are, you know, kind of ready to cook yeah. cuts of meat. Um, you know, but, you know, that's another big question we get a lot of is what I do with this thing with the processor and we talk about you know if you want we don't have the time um you know we don't have the time to process on the hunt sure, i mean yeah. like there's there's other people out there like like jesse griffiths and new school traditional cookery you know they'll process uh-huh. everything on the hunt because they are equipped and they have the skills to do that yeah, yeah we don't we don't have the bandwidth to to process on a hunt so we you know typically um we will for white-tailed deer, there's laws around, you know, quartering and how it has to make it to the processor to its final destination. And so we'll quarter it out, back straps, tenderloins, hindquarters, shoulders. Um, 
so we'll do all that and then we'll kind of walk them through like what do you suggest i mean my i usually suggest uh yeah i i usually will try and shoot you know two or three deer a year okay and my first deer is ground meat cool <laughs> it's most versatile nice. i can feed my family oh, with yeah, it all birds, year ground meat's the most versatile yeah. so i always encourage people if you shoot one deer get Go ground meat because it hamburgers lasagnas pastas yeah. meatballs all that kind of stuff you know it's yeah. extremely versatile and with, with the amount of resources that are out there you can do all kinds of crazy things with it yeah my second deer is my gift deer turn that okay. into, turn that into okay. jerkies dry sausage yeah summer sausage things that when people call me hey you want to come to the super bowl party yeah like yeah. oh yeah i gotta drive i got, a I got summer one for it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. that and then my third one if i get to my third one that's usually where i'll bring in my more unique exotic cuts um i might have a, a butcher or a processor do some more unique things for okay me, some roasts cool uh, some bone-in roasts uh and, and cuts like that so that's usually what i encourage people to do um, if we kill a pig or some other exotic where we can do a full butchering demonstration i'll try and take the time Spend about an hour doing a full butchering demonstration. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about other animals because y'all are doing pigs. Y'all are doing y'all are doing upland stuff too, right? Uh, we aren't at the current at the current time. We did. Um, we will have probably some wing shooting moving forward. I have some properties to do duck and some quail uh, down in South Texas, but we just haven't. I mean, I it's been a bandwidth issue at this sure, point, sure. but we'll we'll probably get to that Expand, moving yeah. forward. But yeah, we do. Um, you know, if we shoot a pig and I have the opportunity, uh, I will do a full butchering demonstration cool. on that pig so we'll take you know well i'll ask them what they want i mean with the exception of like grinding it up because i don't want to mess with the grinder yeah. on a 24-hour hunt basically <laughs> yeah um you know but i will you know debone hams and Sweet. i will get it grinder ready and i'll you know we'll take the ribs and all that kind of good stuff yeah that's such a misconception i mean to people who even are hunting like yeah. is those pigs like yeah. i just started doing that recently is taking the fat from it or yeah, I mean, well, you can take, I mean, with pigs, you can take so much meat off them. Um, yeah. And it is really all about how you cook it, you know. And I really think, again, like Jesse uh, Griffiths and his book, The Hog Book. Yeah, shout Shane, out. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's been on all kinds of podcasts and shows yeah. and promoting that, like, cooking wild boar. It's like anything else. I mean, you don't treat every pig the same. You don't treat pig the same as you do everything else, you know. And you wouldn't go take pork that you bought at the store and cook it medium rare. You don't cook wild boar medium rare you know no. you you treat you treat you know big pigs and big boars and big sows differently you treat small pigs and medium yeah, yeah. pigs differently so you know getting good recipes uh for all that and learning how to utilize all of the the, the pig is is essential and we've done it i mean we've done we're trying to do our part i mean i can't yeah. i mean i can't believe how many pigs we've killed this year it's been quite really? a few really um, yeah we're probably <laughs> close to 40 Jeez. or so this season um you know and like i said i try to do at least one butchering demonstration if we get a pig yeah um you know so they can learn that there's more to it. i mean i even had you know one of my guys that's been hunting his whole life as one of my mentors i you know processed some tomahawks for him mm. kind of told him how to cook them and he prepared them and just blew his mind too that you know it was uh Edible. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, like not just edible, but good. Yeah, good, yeah. yeah. And as they're just unlimited, and yeah. we, you know, are... well, and get a thermometer. I was just reading about that. Yeah, <laughs> get a thermometer. Uh, I mean, it's a what? tool I have in my arsenal because, like, cooking to the proper temperature. Yeah, tell us everything. why that specifically with boars. Um, well, yeah, I mean, not just boars, but wild, kind of all wild game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, most people cook wild game either too short or too long. You know, if you're cooking white-tailed deer or pigs, right, you know, you want it, like, there's not as much fat as you would get in, like, a domesticated animal, yeah. like beef or, um, you know, domesticated pig. So without that kind of fat, 
you know, if you're going to cook something like a backstrap that has it's very lean, you know, you want to treat that more medium rare when you're talking about like white tailed deer or mm-hmm. hitting like one, you know, 55 or 160 with pig. Um, someone's going to probably blast me on that because I'm sure yeah. it's a higher temperature. <laughs> I'm just, but you want to, I mean, you want to do your research and make sure you hit proper temperatures. Sure. Right. Um, but, you know, with, with, you know, with, with white tail in particular, hitting that medium rare temperature and then stopping and using the thermometer to hit that medium rare because that's going to be the most tender. Yeah. Time. If you cook it too long, it gets really tough. Same thing with cooking whitetail, uh, you know, like a ham too short. It's going to be too tough. So you got to let it go. I mean, I usually tell people find a recipe and then add like an hour. Oh. Whatever the cook time is, add an hour. To oh, really? You know, add an hour, out of two hours, and that'll help with that tenderness. I mean, okay. you can cook. I mean, find a, you know, a beef recipe and then just yeah, add like an hour to it. I mean, like I make a carne guisada with whitetail and I just add like oh, an extra hour to it and it works works perfectly fine but you know if you try huh. and follow that same recipe that meat will probably still be a little tough yeah the the misconception there is and I mean you know the saying oh that tastes gamey yeah like I don't like that you know they probably just haven't had a good recipe right I mean yeah. exactly sure it's got a different taste to it yeah. but um, well and there you know the, yeah I mean the term gamey you know, it's a really interesting thing, right? Because these these animals have been eating, for the most part, natural right. things yeah. their whole life. They haven't yeah. been, you know, force fed you know, yeah. specific a specific diet to increase their fat content. Um, you know, but that being said, I mean, there's so many things that we do as hunters that we can do probably do better in general to increase the quality of that meat. And it all starts with your shot, right? Did you yeah. take a good, quick, ethical shot? Is that animal dead instantly? Did you get the, you know, did you get the guts out quickly? Did yeah. you have time to let it rest? You know, the, I mean, ideally, if you have a walk-in or if it's cold outside, letting that animal hang for a couple hours, mm-hmm. letting it dry out and cool off. Those are all things we can do to improve the quality um, of the meat and eliminate some of that gaminess, uh, you know, if gaminess, you will, yeah. and increase some of that tenderness, you know, because that's a big complaint, right, is it's chewy, you know, it's gamey, you know, and it's one thing for hunters to be okay with that because like, that's my animal. I'm like, I'll eat it anyways, yeah. but you're going to take it, cook it for somebody else. You want to do the, you want to present that the best that you can so that they're like, oh, that's actually really good. I'm yeah. actually might be interested in hunting because that's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. There's like an expectation, like when nobody has touched this meat except for me. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course it's going to be great, but you're right. When feeding somebody else, it's, yeah, people that don't know. I mean, if I cook my back strap and cut it an inch thick and I gnaw on it for a little <laughs> bit, you know, like it's okay. I settled for that, right? I I, I decided that that's yeah, what I'm going to yeah. do. But you know, when I cook a back strap for other people, you know, I'll season it and everything and, and treat it as best I can, and then cut it really thin because it, it makes it you yeah. know a lot more tender and you know, I guess pliable is the word I want to use. Yeah, but yeah. Um, the you know, make it easier to make it easier to eat. Yeah. Oh man, I'm pretty hungry now. <laughs> um, it, is trichnosis a thing in wild pigs? Uh, there is evidence here? of that. I think it's trichnosis. Trich, there's trich, a couple. Trichnosis? I'm sure there's yeah. a couple. I mean, they're carrying yeah. all kinds of bacteria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but it all goes back to how you it's prepare it, right? Yeah. Like getting the hide off of it, getting it clean, um, you know, getting debris off of it, and then cooking it properly. Yeah. You know, I mean, get, I get think, a thermometer. Yeah. Right. Get a thermometer, cook it properly, handle it properly. I mean, handle like you would any other meat, you know, and you're probably going to be okay. But you, again, you wouldn't eat pork you bought at the store, r- medium rare. Yeah. Right. So right. you wouldn't do that with, with, with pork. And then, you know, doing, you know, there's a lot of seasonings and things like that, that can kind of help with that cooking process, you know, acids and sure, sure. stuff like that, that can help with some of that bacteria and, and cooking and handling. Um, 
you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's out there. I don't know anybody that's ever experienced or gotten it. It's just, it's, 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 I'm sure it's a serious concern, right? Yeah. From what I hear, uh, maybe better if you don't get it. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely better if you don't get it. But I mean, I've, I've never really experienced or been around anyone or have heard anyone that actually got it. Um, just a cautionary tale. It's like rattlesnakes, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to get bit by one. You very rarely ever see him. You hear somebody, you know, but you don't want to, but you don't don't ever have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What, what are, you know, you talk about uh, barriers to entry, like people being nervous about that outside. Uh, Do you get people that are coming in or kind of scared of, of the, of, I don't know, whatever the elements, the elements. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we deal with a lot. I mean, I mean, we have, we have a lot of people that, or from urban environments, you know, they've never seen yeah. a, you know, black widow or a scorpion yeah. or a rattlesnake or a water moccasin. I mean, we do our best. We, it's a balancing act, right? We have yeah. to make sure people are aware that these things exist in these elements, right? but that the likelihood of, um, you know, encountering them and, you know, suffering some sort of bad, uh, you know, issue from them is, is probably pretty small. I mean, to, to date, knock on wood, but yeah. I have not once seen a rattlesnake on, yeah. single one of our hunts oh okay you know um they seen know, you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's because we wear snake boots right if you yeah. wear snake boots like you're not going to see a rattlesnake it's when you start wearing tennis shoes that they're going to come out like that's the rule right so just wear yeah. your snake boots they're not going to be there yeah um but yeah we, we have people that are obviously concerned about those things i mean i've only i mean and not even on one of these hunts i've only had one experience where someone got that uh lone star disease from a tick Oh, whoa. I had that happen on a, not a, not even on a hunt, but I had that happen yeah, on yeah. a programming event we had a couple of years ago, which was, you know, kind of bad yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we, we have scorpions and houses and yep. black widows and snakes and we see snake skins and things like that, yeah. you know, but we, it's a, you know, we don't want to freak people out, but, um, they're, they're out there for sure. Um, there, there's a reward to it all though. Once yeah. they go through it, what is the kind of overall, um, reaction to to somebody coming out of your program i mean it we get a lot of mix i mean every so far everyone i think has been pleased sure with their experience on our hunts um you know i think everyone's been excited uh i would say you know people are pumped about the opportunity they love the experience you know we want them to leave i mean we want them to leave those hard skills but we want to leave them with soft skills too like how is hunting conservation Sure. You know, how do we work, you know, cohesively as at Texas Wildlife Association, how do we work cohesively with private landowners in the state to manage wildlife populations and want them to leave with some of those those talking points in their tool belt, you know. Um, but, you know, what we've designed with the program, which has really come to fruition this year, is that redundancy of people that have hunted and now want to volunteer. And so to see that energy has cool. been really cool for me. So yeah. to, to watch people who have hunted their first year, either last year, the year before, or even this year, and got so in love with the program that they just wanted to come back and take photos, help me cook, help yeah. get people around. Like, that's been really cool. Um, you awesome. know, and we've actually created this culture where, you know, if you don't get selected to volunteer on a hunt, like, there's some, like, people ups- are upset. Huh. You know, well. it's not like they're, mi- I mean, they feel like they're missing out. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. they're, they're texting me, like, how's the hunt going? Yeah. It's cool. what, how many animals you got down? Like, cool. can I stop by? You know, like they, yeah. we have this culture now of like these hunts being fun, exciting, educational, rewarding experiences, and people want to be out there. And so to create a volunteer base 
that's excited to be out there. Like that's really awesome to yeah. watch that happen. And that really is helping make this whole thing, you know, come to fruition. And those volunteers, you know, as part of the program, you know, if there's an opportunity to get volunteers who are novice hunters, uh, like let's say you hunted in October for your first deer and you volunteered in February, right? Then, you know, you, in the, let's say we're on a really great hunt and all the hunters got two animals, their ice chests are full and there's an opportunity for that volunteer to go back out. I will allow that oh, to happen, cool. right? So they come out, give time. And if there's a, you know, if there's a mentor available, a blind available, a guide available, whatever, you know, we'll try and get those volunteers back out to develop some of those skills, right? Because they may have just shot their first deer. They yeah. still need to work on their butchering, yeah. shot placement. So we try and provide those opportunities yeah, um, as, as needed. So. It's awesome, man. Um, kind of some just last advice for uh, maybe someone who, I mean, if you can get part of Matt's program, I mean, get get on it. But if, if they can't and they're just wanting to get out there and kind of wondering what, what this whole thing's all about, um, some advice for, for that person. Yeah, I mean, obviously this, you know, this podcast is going to reach more beyond than just – Texas, right? And yeah. hopefully, you know, and yeah. so the ideally, you know, in that case, um, you know, obviously be paying attention to what your local state agencies are saying, mm-hmm. you know, what they're doing, what they're offering. Yeah. TPWD offers, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department offers a plethora a of educational opportunities yeah. and, and outreach. They offer mentored hunting within their own umbrella. Yeah. You know, they have a lot. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, convoluted i don't know if that's intentional or not but you know there are walk-on opportunities there are opportunities to go hunt public land on the coast there's i don't know how many miles thousands of miles of coastland there coastline there are you know in in texas to go hunt duck you know um you know but then there's also the drawn system so there's plenty of opportunities but the same thing in other states but what i would say that's an easily attainable thing is you know find out what resonates with you as an outdoorsman or outdoor woman uh, or what species that is or whatever it is and join conservation organizations that revolve around that cool. ducks Unlimited, texas wildlife association backcountry hunters and anglers you know stewards of the wild i mean find you know rocky mountain elk foundation find those organizations that that you know are talking about or protecting the things that you that resonate with you yeah. and they have am- amazing resources at their disposal um, you know, to get people out hunting or at least learning about it, right? Like there's so much, I mean, every state has their own drawn system. Every state has their own, you know, licensing system, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so the best way to learn about that is to get plugged in to a nonprofit that's focusing on that state or like a chapter that's focusing on that state and t- can give you those resources, um, you know, to, to better prepare you. I mean, we're like Texas Wildlife Association. We're going to probably do a clinic this summer um, just on the drawn system in Texas, so members can come and sit in and we can, we'll probably get someone from TPWD and we'll talk about, okay, here's everything you can do in Texas and here's how you do it. Yeah. yeah because that's a question we get a lot. Oh, like, heck yeah. How do we hunt? Afterwards? I'd love to be a part of that. Yeah. You know? I yeah. Know so, more. so we'll probably try and do some stuff like that. But I mean, there's nonprofit organizations doing amazing work all across the country. And I would encourage you, whatever state you're in, find a local chapter, find an organization and get tapped in, you know, pay the membership fee. You'll get emails, you'll get plugged in, and they're going to have opportunities for you to either hunt or learn about hunting or fish or whatever whatever it is yeah. that you're, yeah. you're interested in. Yeah, find your thing, man. Yeah. Uh, plug, uh, real quick, plug plug where people can, can find you exactly, uh, Instagram, socials, website. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we're Texas Wildlife Association. Our website is texas-wildlife.org. Um, all of our information about the Dalton Hunt Program is on there. 
we're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, uh, Matt Hughes, out, Matt, Matt in the Outdoors uh, on Instagram. Definitely encourage you to, I mean, not to try to my own horn, but uh, yeah. follow me yeah. um, if you're interested in hunting because I put a lot of our, like, a lot of our content For on sure. ours. TBA shares it. Um, but also, like, if I run into an issue where I'm looking for a mentor or a participant um, last minute, I'm putting it out there, Social's you know, cool. on social because I just don't have the time to go. Like, let's say someone dropped out on a Monday and I have a hunt on a Friday. Yeah. Like, I don't have time to go whittle back through my applications and make sure someone has hunter's education and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'm going to reach out, you know, and get somebody on there as quickly as I can. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah. you. It's been a pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah. Sweet.